welcome to the Hunter's Hub. Uh, this is your host, Fortuan, joined by co-host Haru. How you doing? Hello. Um, it's doing great. It's feeling very alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Painfully so. I, I, are you dealing with the heat wave that people are dealing with? Apparently it's pretty bad here, but I have not stepped foot outside yet today, so... <laughs> it's pretty okay in here. Feel feel uh, feel guilty because it's been summer for like a month or two here, and it's just been overcast for the past like three weeks. <laughs> it's like just like pretty good temperatures. Nice, yeah. Anyway, a uh, friend of ours, uh, friend of mine, I should say, uh, that was uh, putting in. We have like a Facebook group. This is the D and D group we play in, and uh, my brother and I. And uh, he was like, "Hey, I've drank like seven bottles of water, and like I still need more. Like apparently, like the heat wave is pretty bad, and he works like in an air conditioned building or something. So yeah, it's pretty bad here apparently. Um, but like I said, I haven't been outside. So um, moving on from the weather, small talk." aficionados we are um we're going to be having a pretty chill episode today just going to talk about what we were uh uh playing this week there's not a lot of monster hunter news so we're not going to have like a big deluge of like hey this happened this happened this happened um and then we have like a one of our special topics which is um we're going to talk about title screens and games um and uh a couple of our favorites so uh, first of all, I would also like to thank uh, Wolfie Mellon for the music. And uh, from there, um, I guess we'll just get into what we've been playing. Uh, uh, I actually did, uh, at the last minute, think of a new Sonic I wanted to go on to. Oh, yeah? There's just some just some Weeboo games uh, that suit exactly me. So, uh, Vanillaware, uh, you're familiar with them, we did the side quests on, uh, on Dragon's Crown. Yes. And they do that sort of 2D brawler art game, uh, genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Their new project has been out for the most ridiculous amount of time, like three, four years now, uh, at a TGS long ago. And, uh, they just recently streamed some gameplay of it, and it's very weird, because they only make this one type of art brawler, and the new game looks exactly the same ex- art style, except it's in uh, modern-day uh, Japan, in a city, and there's uh, monsters, seemingly, and uh, giant robots, like with a grim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, like, high school students going around talking to each other, and, like, encountering uh, social social things. And the actual so, like, combat of it. Uh, uh, the actual combat of it is, um, is this strange strategy game thing. It's like top down and it's 3D and, uh, <laughs> it's just very strange from them in particular. Okay. Ah, okay. Um, hmm. That 
It does seem odd because, like, you started talking about, like the social thing, and I was thinking that sounds more like persona and that, that kind of thing, which I honestly don't know who does persona because I never played them. So, wait, wait, is it that's uh, the same company actually, Atlas? Yeah, well, Atlas is a publisher, as I understand, right? Not a developer. Right. So the Vanillaware is the team that does this, and right. uh, P, P, P Studio does Persona. Okay. All right. But yeah, this is, this is very different for the Dragon's Crown developers. Okay. Huh. Okay. That's that's news to me. I liked Dragon's Crown a lot, actually. Yeah. I almost would consider going back and like finishing it in quotations, as in like doing like the whatever the third tier of quests there was, but. Which is like right. just destroy the other dragons. <laughs> just haven't got around to it. Um, cool. Okay, that's some good news. Um, yeah, I can't think of any news that I've been excited for at all. As far as like, it's just a weird. It's just a weird choice because like, it, they're focusing more on the visual novel aspects, and they've always had like narrative aspirations in their games, which I appreciate, but also. Mm. I'm kind of disappointed that you're not just in these 13 different giant robots, like, literally fighting. You have to do, like, the strategy game thing that looks kind of not great. Okay. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I guess I can play for the story. Whatever. All right. Um, okay. Well, for me, uh, I have been playing, uh, I think I mentioned it last week, but I got into it a little more, uh, Hyrule Warriors, and... For those of you who are familiar with the Warriors genre of games, it's one dude battling hundreds of dudes, sort of capturing bases and that kind of thing. Um, these games can get from laughably easy in certain scenarios to incredibly ridiculously hard. Um, so I have hit a point where I'm kind of going through, they have these like uh, the original Legend of Zelda map that you used to walk through and you go into these different tiles and you like, you can search the tiles for secrets that basically unlock more rewards if you meet certain conditions. Um, so like, Hey, with a, if you get a victory and an a rank, you get like a heart container for this character, which, you know, you can level up and get stuff for every single individual character they have. Okay. Well, sometimes they're hidden. So you have to go into the map and like, use an item card that you get from battles and other maps to open up a secret, but it's like all references to the original Legend of Zelda. So like you had to be like, you have to know like this bush is the one that was able to be burned with a candle or something like that. And they, they give you hints. Like you can get an item called a compass that says, Hey, this is where you're supposed to use an item. They don't tell you what, but like, Hey, you got to use this. So I've been going through the maps now uh, well, the first map. There's like twelve maps in the Switch version, and there was like three on the on the Wii U version. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like what? There's a lot of content to do here. But it overall, yeah, it's Hyrule been pretty Warriors, fun. Uh, looked like it was just like a deluge of DLC. Right, and I was okay with that. It's the first time that I can remember that Nintendo like fully embraced like the modern DLC model. Cause like the next one was Mario Kart, but I think the first one was Hyrule Warriors. If I remember correctly, 
course, we're talking like this is seven years ago, eight years, or seven or six years ago that this happened. So uh, there were like two different ports in there that also came with unique content and DLC, though. So a little bit of a mire of history. Right, and it was the first time we saw complex. like real like DLC items come out of amiibos. If you remember, because like the the top came out of the Link amiibo, the whatever Twilight Princess top item. Oh, the spinner, you mean? Yeah. Um, right. That's right. So yeah, uh, I've been playing through it. Uh, Link is obviously my strongest character. He's he's like level sixty something, and everyone else is in like the twenties, <laughs> if at all. Some characters are below ten. Some people are at ten. Like it just depends <laughs> on how much I've had to play them. Um, overall, I've been having fun with the game. Uh, I've been playing it more more often than anything else lately because it's on the Switch, and I've been on the road a lot. Uh, like for work Tuesday, I was sitting in the car like over seven hours while uh, <laughs> while we drove to various customers. <laughs> so <laughs> that's mostly what I've been doing <laughs> is working and playing uh, Hyrule Warriors. Not that I didn't play anything, anything else, but it's the majority of my gaming lately. Um, so what about you, Hara? What's, what's the first game you've been playing this week? Uh, well, you see, I took a little trip to Barovia. Uh, a long time ago now, uh, but <laughs> this is of course Dungeons and Dragons, the oh, okay. uh, Curse of Strahd, uh, yes, uh, camp adventure, and I've been doing it with a group. Uh, we we got to level five. We just uh, got to the main town of Alaki, and uh, over the past couple of sessions, we kind of uh, rectified the. <laughs> The situation there, uh, you know, which is the standard fantasy, like, the the king slash jarl slash magistrate of this city is not doing right for the people. What do we do? Um, Take him down. That's every we, D&D answer. <laughs> no, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, but we traveled... Uh, to this uh, Argenvast Hold, mm-hmm. which is this uh, ancient dragon uh, castle mm-hmm. and the home of the Order of the Silver Dragon, who are now like revenants, uh, undead knights who fought in a war with Strahd, but that, that whole antagonist of the campaign. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and man, it's like a level 7 uh, uh, area. And we're level five, so we had to really knock down dragon fights with the revenants and the knights, because they had over a hundred health, uh, and we're doing maybe like ten to twenty damage a turn. So we really gotta 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 get going on them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the story I wanted to tell was the boss encounter in this place. Uh, the the grandmaster of the order was just sort of like Dark Souls sitting in a chair for eternity, withering away, you know? Right. And we approached this guy, 
it was the most ridiculous sequence of events. I play like a fighter, kind of orcish barbarian character. Mm-hmm. So I had her pick up this boulder, and like I was trying to creep up on him and hit him over the head with it while he's sitting down. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I roll pretty well on athletics, so I asked the team, can I just get a bigger boulder proportionate to <laughs> what I rolled? <laughs> and then I tried to sneak up, but I I just, I think I just missed it because I rolled a 15 or something. And oh, it's wow. It's not enough. And he notices me, and I'm like, <laughs> just halfway across this room with a boulder over my head. Then my team, everyone, the other players, they start talking to this guy and trying to negotiate him off the cliff. They're like, we have a common enemy, all this stuff. Right. Um, but it's it, it becomes apparent it's not going to work because he keeps saying, like, I'm bound to hatred. I can't kill this man. I have to let him suffer. Oh, okay. Uh, so eventually I just throw the fucking rock at him, man, and uh, <laughs> run the third story. And he walked in front of a window, so I throw the rock at him and knock him out of the window. <laughs> he fails his, uh, oh. his athletics check. And he falls three stories down uh, in this huge castle. And of course, as it's an encounter, a bunch of ghosts summon themselves out of the wall, and we fight those guys. And he finally gets back to the top, and he just starts slaughtering us, because he's, he's a yeah, small seven guy. He's, he's he basically super bad. can't miss. Yeah. I think he's a fighter, um, and he's doing like, uh, well, he basically has to roll like a two to miss, and he's doing like 20 damage and attack twice a turn. Ouch. Uh, yeah. For reference, if you don't and play it, D&D, it, it, that's pretty dang high for level five characters. Like that's, that won't kill you, but that'll kill you and go to four hits probably, um, with a tanky class, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the tankiest person there, and I only have uh, 49 health. Right. So he can three hit me. Uh, so I I go down. I have the orcish trait. I come back up uh, with one health remaining. That that's gone for the day. And he he has another attack, and he actually puts me down. And uh, when when I finally get down, he, like, stabs into me and makes me fail uh, two of the three death saving throws you get. Oh my uh, gosh. It's a hit. No. And this character I've spent, like, 15 weeks with uh, is just, like, on the verge. And the, ish- the order of combat is such that our healing classes don't come up before between hit- the enemy's turn and my turn. So I come to my turn, and it's literally save or die. Like, if you roll above a 10, you can keep this character. If you don't, you're out of luck. Um, oh, no. So I, I rolled, and I got a 12, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, but that doesn't uh, save I you. Like, just... you, you still have to, like, if the healers can't get to you, you're still in that same situation until they do. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to lose that coin toss. Like, that's that's intense. Yeah, no, it, it was close, uh, but but one of our healer characters kind of came up next and, and threw me a bone. Uh, oh, okay. And then I threw this guy out, out the goddamn window a second time after he climbed back up. <laughs> <laughs> I grappled him and just dragged him off the, off the edge. Uh, and then our, our cleric was able to uh, snipe him with a uh, 
Radiant Bolt, whatever that one's called, Guiding Bolt. Um, so it's just a really tense encounter. It's it, it kind of sucks describing this uh, if if it weren't in this particular game, but uh, it was it was just really tense. And we finally got level six, and uh, I got to take his the guy's greatsword, which is a plus two greatsword. Wow, uh, that's, and that's we're really level strong. Six, so that's yeah, it, it's a bit advanced from the. Uh, we're using sort of Adventures League rules, so I wouldn't have gotten that level of gear for another uh, uh, several more games. Right, yeah. That's, uh, that's a pretty intense fight. Um, <laughs> I imagine you were, you were uh, pretty scared for that coin toss of a, of a death save. Oh wow! It was crazy because earlier to that, even he had downed me, and I rolled a natural twenty on the death save, uh, less high stakes death save, mind you. But I was able to come back up with one health, and just like, but this guy just did so much damage. Healing was almost pointless because they just go down and up, down and up again. Right. Wow. That's uh, that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. It's kind of the, the, the fights you remember in D&D, like the, the really intense ones and, you know, crazy stuff happens to, like, start and end it and that kind of thing. Because, like, uh, I feel like a lot of times combat in D&D gets really bogged down. Like, people are like, I, yeah, I swing my sword, I do X points of damage. Like, the, the group that I've been playing with on Thursdays, actually we're going to be playing later tonight... Um, they kind of get, they kind of forget that you're supposed to have some flavor to the combat and it's not just up to the DM and I'm running as the DM tonight. We're doing small one shots or shorter sessions and we're switching off DMing between, uh, those sessions and we're, we're going to be finishing my, my session after only two tonight and they're meant to be short. And I'll just say stuff like, uh, they fought a basilisk, right? And it'll say like it, it, uh, it rears back and it, it bites on your leg, uh, for X points of damage. Right. And, uh, and they're like, Oh, okay, cool. And then like when they attack, it's like, I swing my sword, it hit, it's six damage or something like it's super bland. And I'm like, guys, like, Right. Part of like I can only do so much. You got to meet me halfway. <laughs> like, um, if you ever want to see a good representation of like how people play D and D as far as like the language when you're hitting and missing and all that kind of stuff, I kid you not, watch Stranger right. Things. Like Stranger Things, like the boys playing D and D, is pretty spot on to like the more exciting ways to play it. But yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, I, I like Matt, that. Matthew Mercer is a pretty good narrator, too. Just on Critical Role. He's pretty good about, uh, like, he's strained and strained, hit him, but he just clinks off the edge of his shield, deflected, and you stand there defeated. And right. And you're sad about your mother, who died when you were young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I bet he is, too, but, um... I haven't watched a lot of Critical Role. I think I listened to one episode, like the very first. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, that yeah, this I guess I that sounds like another good 
representation of you know the language of when you're playing. Okay, cool. Um, the the other thing I've been playing um, is uh, I talked about it last week. Uh, also, was Dota Underlords. Um, they had a, a they had a patch. Uh, so like I've kind of been like going up and down within the same ranking that I talked about. Uh, I'm a smuggler or whatever. So like out of the eight shown tiers, it's a secret ninth tier that's above everything. Um, that tier, uh, I've been like going up and down in ranks like within like one, two, three, four, and five. I start. I was at five when we talked last week, and I went down to one, and I've been kind of because <laughs> I lost a lot, uh, and then I've been kind of jumping back and forth between one, two, and three since. Um, but they had this big uh, patch where they changed a lot of things. They they changed a lot of um, heroes and something that released last night. But before that, they added in like a battle pass kind of thing um, that is more akin to like uh, Fortnite or um, uh, what was the other? I played Paladins for a while. That sort of like hero shooter thing like overwatch that's free to play um it's on the switch both of them have battle passes and hario are you familiar with what the battle pass stuff is uh isn't it just sort of like a skin season pass kind of kind of so it is mostly aesthetics where you sort of level up Right, you have this like separate leveling up system that is within the battle pass, so your your battle pass level right. grants you various things, and they added like daily challenges to meet like to boost your XP in those like battle pass levels. So it's like perform X amount of critical hits or kill this many enemy units or combine, like the one, I, the two challenges I have right now are combine 60 level 2 or 2 star units and then combine 4 3 star units and it's like okay cool those aren't those aren't bad but sometimes they'll they'll kind of ask you to play a certain way like hey do x amount of life steal and like only certain amount of units or certain items can give you life steal so like huh i can make the right decision and pick this item or I can go for the battle pass challenge and get this. <laughs> so it's been kind of weird. Um, it's still fun. Uh, I'm still enjoying it. Uh, I have barely played it on my phone because it eats so much of your battery uh, playing on your phone. Like one match will take a good 40% of my battery off. Uh, so I don't play it on my phone too much. Ah, uh, yes. I see, I see you too play Hearthstone. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the thing is, uh, the thing is an unoptimized mess. Right. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. It's not as far as battery goes. It's not the best way to go go about things. But, um, but Dota Dota Underlords is a three D game, right? It is. Yes. Um. Much the same way. Hearthstone Hearth- is a card game. It's a fucking TCG. <laughs> Trains your back. Oh, I mean, I'm go it could be done as going. a two D game. Like, a 3D game is not necessary. It's just the graphics are 3D in Dota Underlords. It's literally like... Because you don't actually do the fighting. You're watching your units do the fighting, if you care to watch. Um, (laughs) um, But, yeah. 
So yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been doing with Dota, just like kind of going through the new updates. Um, not much to report differently on that, honestly. Uh, so, so what else have you been playing? Oh boy, here it is. You guys tuned in for it. More scattered Tales of Asperia impressions from 2008. Um, okay. Uh... So I was just uh, I was playing through the story more. I think I'm about two thirds of the way through the story, maybe. Okay. And I just I had an observation about about just the dialogue and the kind of scenes they choose to uh, put on screen. Uh, and while I enjoy the game, it does end up feeling a little bit uh, limited in it, in its narrative because. There's so many scenes that they establish, oh, this character is joining the party, or this character is leaving the party for, like, a time. Uh, why are you here? Why are you following us into this dungeon? Why are you continuing to go? It's dangerous. I mean, the characters just keep talking about, like, what, uh, what are we doing here? Um, so too much sort of status like report? In D&D. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like in, in D&D, if, if you're constantly... Uh, trying to have your character's backstory matter, and you know what? Sometimes you're just in a vampire dimension, and you gotta kill the vampire. Okay. Uh, uh, so it's basically like the annoying guy who keeps trying to interject everything with, like, oh, by the, did I tell you about this in my backstory? Did I tell you about this? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not forced. It's just they fix on it, fixate on it so much. Sure. Okay. Um, which what what it ends up as is the different characters will just go around saying like, uh, well I will follow you because uh, my goal is to research Blastia, and they go like, uh, but other character wasn't your goal to become the high princess of the land? Why are you going with us mere adventurers into this dungeon? And it's just sort of like opining. And like uh, reciting your your character motivations, which is sort of the bad way to play D anD. d But uh, you know the actual plot of the game, I am still enjoying. But <laughs> I got to this crazy twist scene that had like eight different things going on at, at once. That I don't want to spoil because it's it's uh, it, it's a pretty late game. Hmm. But yeah, there's just. Uh, it continues to have all of the Tales game fantasy tropes that are enjoyable. Your secret hidden city, your your elf-like population, uh, your militaristic power that you come into con- conflict with, secret organizations, you know, all those things. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That could, that could be uh, <laughs> bothersome. <laughs> I, I imagine it so... I can't remember. Did you play Octopath Traveler with us, or did you not for side quest? I, d- I think that was the one no, we were playing. Really, yeah. um, Octopath, like they had the character introduction. They're like, okay, I'm going to join the party because, but the party like joining is like a sentence, right? Like, I'm going to follow you guys because I need to get out of here and go lo- look at the world, or they'll, they'll have their is hey, if you're heading this direction, I'm going to. And that's, like, the last you hear about it until, like, you actually interact with their story specifically. So I get what you're saying. That could be rather annoying if it's constant, like, uh, 
constant checkup. Like, why are you going in this cave? Like, we're, this isn't where I need to go. I was like, what? <laughs> Can I just play the game? I, so I kind of get what you're saying there. It's difficult because I do like the aspect of, like, these aren't just party members in an RPG. These aren't just, like, numbers on a screen. They're coming and going, and they live in their own lives, and they have their own objectives. But I just feel like they talk about it too much, and that could have, that's time that could be spent uh, more on, like, developing the characters in other ways and creating subplots and yada yada and so on. Right. Like, they're personality outside of their mission i get what you're saying all right okay okay um so uh what have you been playing the the last thing that i have on my list is uh i've been playing some more classic doom um and classic doom as in i've mentioned many times as in like doom 2 with mods um and I, for a while there, um, stopped playing Project Brutality to try out some other mods, but I kind of went back to Project Brutality just because I like it so much. Um, so I started uh, just sort of dabbling with uh, continuing uh, a map set that I hadn't finished before called 1024. And 1024 is literally... Uh, you know how you talk to, like... Uh, like a grid has like a like a thousand twenty four spaces or whatever. It's literally like the map level set of every level in this mod is ten by twenty four. Like it is all supposed to be small short levels that have like cramp spaces and that kind of thing. And I got a decent way through it before, but I was like, you know what? I kind of want to see. Um, the end of this. I kind of want to see all the maps. So it's it's per it's like specifically meant to be like small cramped maps, <laughs> where they're like you have to sort of like backtrack and pick up things and then go back. But but they're all small. So like the level's entirely small. So it's it was an interesting. Uh, I was just kind of bored one night. Uh, didn't feel like investing another forty five minutes into. Um, another Underlords game, so <laughs> I started playing some Classic Doom again. And and if no one, if anyone hasn't ever played Classic Doom, like, uh, it's on. I do believe it's on Good Old Games. It's also on Steam, fairly cheap. And finding the stuff to mod it is really simple. Like literally, you just sort of Google GZ Doom, and like, there's so many guides out there to be like, hey, do this, but. Honestly, it's not even as complicated as I'm making it sound. It's like if you figure out how to install GZ Doom, which again isn't hard, it you literally take a couple of files and drop it on top of an executable, and that's how I play a mod. Like literally, I take the files that other people created and drop them on a game, like an executable, and poof, it works. Like <laughs> they're designed to work that, that way is, because. Uh... That is uh, simpler than Minecraft modding. I can tell you from experience. Right. So, like, it's super simple to do. Uh, and, like, all this modding stuff is free. You just have to own a copy of, like, Doom 2 and Original Doom and sometimes Plutonia. Some of them do use the Plutonia 
stuff, but the, all three of those are available for like five bucks or less on Steam or GOG. So yeah, check it out, guys. I I can't. I've been playing Doom since I was like so, five. <laughs> uh, new Doom. That's not out till was it November? Yeah, November twenty second. I knew you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, was a, that was a good bet on my part. I'd like to say. Um, have they have they released anything new or just like any new thoughts yet on that game? No, they haven't since E3. Uh oh, I'm having an interruption here. Oh yeah, go out there. Go find your other slipper then. It's in your room. See ya. Yeah, it's in your room. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Oh, so cute. <laughs> Alright. I'm not sure if I'm going to cut that out or not because it wasn't really that bad. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, uh, no, no, no new news has come out since E3, as far as I know. Um, I could check the Reddit's, but like, uh, I've seen everything I want to. Like, I, I want to get the game regardless. Right. Okay, I see where you're coming from. Right. I'm just thinking like Monster Hunter. We always get all these granular little updates. I didn't grant the game sooner, but yeah. Well, well so um, the the problem with with uh, Monster Hunter is the whole the whole sort of like game is based off of the monsters, right? And the more monsters, the in my opinion, the better experience it's going to be. Um, yeah, obviously Monster Hunter World has a lot more appeal because quality of life and da da da. And yes, that matters a whole lot, but they're not changing anything with Iceborne with that. What they're doing is adding more monsters to make up for, not really to make up for, but to extend the content that's already there. And other games like Doom, the bestiary is important because that's who you're up against. However... The bestiary also, like, it also matters for map design and placement and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not fighting a monster in Monster Hunter is not the same, is, is not extremely different if it starts in Area 2 or Area 3. <laughs> it's just not. Right? <laughs> but other games, you can change up the gameplay. With different maps and different designs and like there's all there's a lot more of a, a variance to the game based on other factors and yeah monster hunter is like almost well, entirely I mean, entirely dependent on the monster and the new features of a map which are much larger endeavors you know what i mean i mean with monster hunter they're sort of traditional boss fights that are designed to roam the area like normal enemies, whereas Doom, you have a lot of grunt enemies. In most games, you have a lot of grunt enemies that die in five seconds. So right. It's a yes. lot different. So, yeah, they're entirely different games. I mean, I get that. What I'm trying to say is, like, 
it's varied enough in Doom, I don't really care about the minor details because that's kind of spoilery. But the minor details don't really spoil Monster Hunter, if that makes sense. Like, the, they're, they're, the, 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 either way, playing the game is the best way to experience between both games, but you're going to get more out of knowing, you know, every monster that's coming in because everything is so dependent on every monster. Whereas, like, the level of that kind of level of like hey we're getting something new like a monster is something new right like think of it like every monster is sort of i mean well they kind of did it this way like with devil joe or lunastra every monster by itself is almost like the equivalent of content like a little small pack of dlc that is like a full level of another game does that make sense uh yeah i mean the game is designed to be uh playable so Right, so it's it's, yeah. I I don't know where I'm trying to go with it. I'm just saying emergent. Like, right, yeah. Because like I think we we crave all the details for Monster Hunter, because a lot can be said simply by what monster is there. Whereas something like Doom, it's like okay, we know the features, we've seen a couple of the monsters. Let's just go out and do it. There's not much else to be said. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there we go it was a lot of wordy to get to a weird point but yeah <laughs> um and uh how have you been doing on uh cadence of hyrule have you still been playing that uh so i've played a little bit but um this is weird because i listen to a lot of video game music just on youtube and i just oh, yeah, yeah. talk about cadence of hyrule uh, the uh, the music and the remixes in it, because um, they have this great uh, start screen cover. It's uh, sort of uh, a remix of uh, of the uh, title theme from Ocarina of Time, a very mm-hmm. calming uh, menu music. Yeah, it has a beat drop in there. <laughs> really, um, it goes from like, like the very... classic. To a beat drop and just like techno. <laughs> you know when you see like on YouTube recommendations, you see like a picture of Mario and it says lo-fi uh, hip hop Nintendo music. Like that's what I feel this whole game is. Um, <laughs> and man, they just have this great uh, mix in of Zelda's lullaby, uh, actually like uh, sung by a real person. Uh, into this theme, uh, as like an alternate version. And it just sounds so good. Like whenever you have orchestral, or not, uh, operatic music in, uh, in Zelda soundtracks, it really, really goes well, I feel. Um, another, I think my favorite part of the game was just like the very start area, area, the Lost Woods. Yeah. Uh, and you get that sort of, like, Majora's Mask, uh, sort of swamp dungeon setup. And the combat theme for, uh, The Lost Woods was just very just varied and very funky and, uh, 
man, it's it, it's just hard to track because I am terrible at describing music, but I I just appreciate the soundtrack for this game so much, and I think uh, you know even if you don't have a Switch, it, it would pay to uh, to just give it a listen. Sorry, I had another interruption. <laughs> I was listening. <laughs> um, so, so I actually listen to a lot of video game music myself. Uh, I mostly do it through remixes, and um, I would probably be interested in uh, looking at this kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I would be interested. Oh, that's weird because in- this next. This next note here says, talk Fortran into, into Cadence of Hyrule. <laughs> Strange. What? Who put that there? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I might check out the... I feel like the game... I'll probably listen to the music, but I feel like the game would be a little much for me. I don't do well with rhythm games. <laughs> I just don't. Um... um. It's not like a rhythm game. It's just like you have to hold a beat. So you have to press buttons, basically, in the same pattern, like you're tapping your finger on a on like an armchair or something. Oh, yeah. I'm, I know. I know. I'm just maybe not so good at holding a beat, even though I was going to be a band instructor. One of my downfalls. <laughs> but it's been a long time, at least. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of people make too much out of the rhythm game thing. There's a... It's very forgiving, let's say. You have to really oh, screw okay. up the beat to, uh, to 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 upset the game. Okay. Well, I'm, I might try it. We'll 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 put it on the maybe. Um, okay. Um, so I think it kind of wraps up what we've been doing this week, and we can get into uh, the top the top ten between the two of us uh, title screens in gaming. So what we in say in all of gaming in world history? No, this is just for us. Like you know, like for video game, like when you start up the game, the start screen, sort of like what you're sitting at when you're hitting, you know, new game, load game, continue game, whatever, whatever's there, right? The you boot up the game, it's sitting there and it's waiting for you to say, hey, let's let's start this or let's continue the adventure. So what are the screens that stood out to us, the or the it's the, it's the concept and 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 why, um, which are also the definitive title screens forever and always for everyone. I don't know why you're making such, upon, right? such bold claims. <laughs> this is very subjective. This is it's us. satire. Okay? okay. 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 Subtext that I'm not very good at picking up. So <laughs> So, uh, why don't you start us off? Right, so one title screen I always liked was um, that of Pokemon Sapphire. It has a short intro video. That's kind of nothing special. It's very crude sprite work. Um, but the actual title screen of it is just uh, the Pokemon Sapphire version title sitting over the silhouetted Kyogre that's kind of looming uh, below the screen, like in a, underwater. Mm. And there's bubbles rising up the screen, and you just see because of the the Gen Three legendaries, their design had this sort of runic carving in their skin. 
you just see like the red glow of the runic designs on its uh, fins and things, uh, and mm-hmm. you can't really make out the Pokemon. Now, admittedly, it's on the cover of the game, so you know what this thing looks like. But I just think it's a very nice um, uh, uh, foreboding or foreshadowing uh, image to it to tease what you get later in the game when you finally catch this Pokemon. And just generally, a title screens, I think it's great when you can do something a little creepy or a little foreboding uh, that sort of uh, gives you an impression or a take to take care of the rest of the game. Okay. Hmm. Now, I, I think I... I don't remember if I played Ruby or Sapphire, because it's been long ago. And I think Ruby had the same sort of... Obviously, it probably had the same sort of style. You know what I mean? And and that intro... Intro cutscene, that, that's been in... I can't speak for every Pokemon game, but I know... You know the the, the iconic uh, Gengar versus Nidorino, like jumping back and forth, and one of them jumping forward, and then the title screen pops up for red and blue. Like, like that's that's kind of been like a a thing for a long time. But it doesn't make it you know like I like the sort of legacy that comes with Pokemon where they do that kind of stuff. Um, out of curiosity, I don't remember or not. Are you going to be getting Sword and Shield or no? Or are you just like done? Uh, I'm pretty down on Sword and Shield, not because of the Pokedex kerfuffle, but because it oh, just yeah. looks exactly the same as the past Pokemon games. Um, but but here I actually looked at the coward or the Groudon the Ruby version start screen. I didn't like mm-hmm. that that much because it's just like a straight shot of, the, of it from the side. I, think, oh, I feel okay. like there's less mystery to it. Yeah, I can see um, why. Like you the only difference between those two... I the only difference between those two games is like Ruby has Latios and Sapphire has Latios in the cutscene and then they switch Groudon character on the actual like uh, looping start screen. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, okay. I, I get, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, okay. Uh, do you have more to say on it or? Uh, no, I think it's your go. Okay. Um, so my first one I want to talk about is EVO, the search for Eden. Um, now we did a side quest on this game. Uh, this was episode two, I believe. Um, and if you want to go back and look at it in our uh, podcast history on SoundCloud. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I played this game. It's actually my brother's game. Um, but I think I played it maybe more than him. And it's on the Super Nintendo. Very obscure game. It's one of those, if you find the cartridge like out of the box, it's worth 200 for collectors because it's such a rare game. Because it did so bad. But um, the title screen itself... Um, starts with uh, very, like, remember the Super Nintendo music back in the day where it's sort of like, it's like a mix between, like, orchestral and MIDI. It's, like, not quite yeah there, but it's it's not quite 8-bit, but it's still, like, it's still electronically sounding. Um, there's a great 
like orchestral vibe to the music and uh it's got a great intro of just basically when you start up the game the 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 music just kicks up it's this great orchestral thing and the the title slides up to the top it's very simple as far as like the design and it just sort of pops up a uh, big title screen evo search for eden and then like continue load save like all those sort of menu options um for me, like the biggest thing on a title screen is sort of like what it looks like in the music, and the music for that one is is very striking to me. It's a, it's probably also nostalgic, right? Because I, I played this like when I was eight, um, quite a bit. Uh, so like, there's probably a, 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 a an air of nostalgia that kind of holds that to me also. But uh, I just I really enjoy uh, the music and just simple simplistic of how it just goes up. Uh, it also sits like you see the world uh, just sort of like behind you and it's it really tells you like hey you know this is the beginnings of earth it was just kind of like what you're playing through you're playing through the evolution of <laughs> of things on earth in the game and you get to see like this the earth it's gotta there. be a jrpg right it's actually more like an arpg it is not a turn-taking game um, you actually. Well, I mean, like, it's a Japanese game, right? Oh, it definitely is. It was Enix before they were Square Enix. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, like it's. Gonna say. Um, but yeah, like it, it. I don't know the aesthetics of like how it looks and like the the way the title slides up and the music that kind of all fits it. It's just, it's pretty good. <laughs> like I like it a lot. <laughs> um, so what what's your next one? Um, so a game that's near and dear to my heart that I never shut up about is, uh, Zelda Twilight Princess. And the mm-hmm. title screen of that was very simple. Uh, it's just, uh, Link riding upon a through Elden Field. Uh, and you know, he just kinda, it's very quiet. And he starts up, and he starts riding across the bridge, and you hear the sort of click-clack of the hooves on the, of the horseshoes on the bridge. Yeah, as I was gonna say, what I remember uh, is riding, he's riding across the, the bridge. Yeah, that that bridge, in a lot of uh, title art of that game. The uh, it, it, this is just accompanied by music, is uh, Link running around the field, and again, anytime you can mix Zelda with orchestra, or I mean with opera, singing, it's great. It's just really, really, really hard to be uh, <laughs> to not have me invested. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just hear these like sort of like very um, eth- ethereal uh, uh, singing in the background, and it sort of swells at the end, and Link rides off of the screen, uh, and then the camera catches up to him. Uh, he's a wolf, and and there's this the howling uh, uh, sound effect plays mm-hmm. as he, and it's. He's silhouetted against the uh, the the wall of twilight. That's the invading force of this game. It's right. very very creepy and sends a shiver down your spine. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, I I don't I don't get the hate for that game. I honestly don't like. <laughs> I just don't. I liked it a lot. It's not one of my fa- It's not my favorite Zelda, but it's 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 pretty darn good. Like. Then again, I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's let's say a contingent of Nintendo fundamentalists out there. 
True. I mean, I also like Skyward Sword, so whatever. <laughs> like, whatever. I never finished Skyward Sword. I did finish Twilight Princess, though. Did you ever get the rupee armor? I felt like that was weird. Like, like why do I want this? What's that called? I... Like, the, the magic armor. It's called the magic armor. Yeah. Same name as the item in, in, uh, in Wind Waker that wasn't actually armor. It was just a crystal. Oh, it's one of the items that you uh, have in Hyrule Warriors also. It, it's the one that protects you from magic? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Dark, I know. Dark Realms or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, my number two uh, would probably be Banjo-Kazooie. Um, and if you've ever played Banjo-Kazooie, a lot of it's about music, right? And you're going to see a theme in a lot of the... <laughs> A lot of the title screens I have is music. Um, uh, Banjo-Kazooie has this like sort of just like, hey, here's some generic gameplay in the background. But, I mean, the music fits the game so well, the, the, the sort of title theme. Um, it just works so well. And then uh, it's, it's accompanied by that sort of like pseudo video game music video that, to begin with, like when you start up the game. Uh, there's just like introduces the characters with different instruments and stuff. Of course, Banjo has a banjo and Kazooie has the Kazooie. So yay. Yay for, uh, naming there. Anyways, oh, I never, I never got that. And that never occurred to me when people said that they gave name. It was instruments. <laughs> yeah. They're instrument names. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's just like, it's weird. Like, uh, music, you know, music video, and then like, hey, here's some generic gameplay in the background while they're sitting at the title screen. Uh, it is important to note like the different icons, like when you're when you're like selecting different things are different, like not enemies or objects, but like Banjo Kazooie has a way of like putting googly eyes on almost everything, so like. There'd be like a jiggy for like a certain menu option or like a th- something else, and it's like it's it's the word, but like the selector turns into the different object or whatever. So that's always been kind of interesting too. And they make the little sound effect they make like um, uh, whatever whatever they do when they're talking, because they, everything just makes like two or three different pitched sound effects, of like the same sound effect when they talk. And it's just like, I don't know, it's cute. It fits the sort of theme of the game pretty well. And it kind of lets you know that, like, hey, this is supposed to be sort of like a fun and goofy adventure kind of deal. Even though it's pretty serious. Like, when you get, have you ever seen a Banjo-Kazooie game over? It It's, the premise is that Banjo's little sister, Tui, got kidnapped by Gruntilda the witch. And she's trying to steal her youth. And turn because she's like a big fat and ugly witch, and she's trying to turn Tui fat and ugly, and make herself pretty. Uh, okay, that's 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 some that's a direction, that's a choice. Right? Yeah, it's um. Very Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's meant to be goofy and silly. Um. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, it, it's, you know, when we weren't, uh, I don't know, so socially aware, you know, this is like, eh, we're, we're approaching 13, maybe 17 years ago. Like, it's a pretty old game. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, um, 
No, I, I mean I don't even mean that. I just mean it's it's very dark for. Uh, it, it, no, it is. And that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's a very grim. dark. It, it's a contrast that is like, oh, okay. I'm not gonna lie, game over. Gruntilda looks pretty hot though. Anyways. <laughs> okay. okay. What's your next that's, one? That's a <laughs> Metroid Prime. How about that? Uh, so, Metroid Prime, its title screen has this great old sci-fi, uh, ooey theme playing over it, just very spacey theme sounding, uh, and, but the actual title screen itself is very biological, because it's actually this, uh, zoomed in, uh, like hyper-zoomed in microscopic shot of a, uh, Metroid or some other creature's nucleus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like membranes in there and it's all colored orange with these sort of elements like little tentacle tenderly elements uh, waving in the background as if uh, you're looking at an actual x-ray and what really gets it, it uh, bonus points is when you go to the to file select and the other little options menus it actually mm-hmm. the camera zooms around within the membrane and it looks at it from different angles and it's just I just like it yeah, no, I I like it's, that a lot. That's a good one. Um, and I should give uh, what, uh, an honorable mention to the Metroid Prime trilogy because the whole mm-hmm. menu is just the zoom in, hyper zoom in of Samus's arm cannon, like inside of it. And <laughs> when you hit start game, it zooms rapidly out, and you see her in uh, in in the, the various suit. And she actually like does like a, a flip or like a pivot and fires the arm cannon, and there's a streak across mm-hmm. the screen that cuts. Um, and actually chooses a different suit for corruption or echoes or the first one. Uh, oh which yeah, is a nice touch. Yeah, that's it's a solid, solid choice. Um, my uh, my third one is uh, Yoshi's Island, which is Super Mario World Two, also a Super Nintendo title. Um, also because of the music, uh, I like Super Mario World's music quite a lot. Um, <clears throat> I just, didn't, like I mentioned before, I listened to a lot of, uh, remixes and that kind of stuff. And by far, I'd probably say Donkey Kong Country 2. And I agree. It's, it's got some of the best music, but, um, the, for whatever reason, Mario World, Donkey Kong Country series, <clears throat> all of those have like a lot of remixes and that kind of stuff. You don't see many for Super Mario World 2 or Yoshi's Island. It's out there, right? There's stuff out there, but it's not near as popular. But that title music, it it's very cool because it kind of sets the same scene for like, hey, this is like supposed to be a, like a again like Banjo Kazooie, like a fun, lighthearted game. Again, with some real <laughs> creepy consequences of, like, baby Mario being kidnapped if you lose. <laughs> so, like, it it has this, like, jungle sort of theme with, like, uh, I don't want to say bongos, but some sort of drums going in the background uh, or, or something like that. And the, the actual title screen itself, when you're selecting different menus, are, like, different parts that it rotates around on the island, like Yoshi's Island. And, um, 
I've always found like that title screen to be really cool to interact with too. Cause like sometimes I like just sort of like going through the different options and watching the world spin really fast. <laughs> um, that was something I did a lot when I was a kid. So like I, I, uh, I've always enjoyed that menu quite a lot, but I, I don't have much more to say on it other than like it looked cool and, uh, it had some great music, but, uh, like, but the, uh, uh, to be honest, though, like of the five, those three are the ones that are based solely on music. The other, the other three, the other two on my list are not based off of that. So that said, what's your number four, Haru? Um, on Yoshi's Island, like the sort of um, pivoting around the island. I think yeah. Midhog Two actually has that same sort of title screen. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I never played Nidhogg Two. Or one. I know what it is. The stages. Um, right. Granted, it's markedly uglier than Yoshi's Island just because of artistic choices, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my uh, fourth pick, in no particular order, is uh, Tales of Symphonia, Dawn of the New World. The, uh, the Wii game, it just has a very nice, simple, actual uh, start menu. Uh, or you see, uh, it sort of zooms in through these forest brushes on the side of the screen. This butterfly, uh, just, uh, uh, gently flies through and lands on this little sapling in the middle of this little pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's relevant to the story of the game if you played Symphonia 1. Uh, but they, they actually have an animated intro, uh, for this, uh, cause it's a tale game, it's a JRPG. And I really love the intro for Dawn of the New World. I mean, you get a bunch of action shots, you get a bunch of uh, shots of the characters, like, equipping their armor and things, and, like, on a journey in a way that you don't always see in JRPGs. You don't see, like, people camping always, uh, necessarily. Hmm. Or just, like, having downtime. It's always, like, world-ending events, or, or what's shown on screen. Okay. Uh, and... Yeah, and there's just a lot of like really cool action animation too. Uh, just like smoke clouds, and at one point Emil, the the male protagonist, slices through a uh, like an animated armor, and like the metal splinters off because it's right in the face of the screen that it gets bisected. The metal just like splinters off in all directions. That's great. Yeah. Uh, very very nice animation. Hmm. Okay. Um. So my fourth, and I literally changed it on the fly. <laughs> it was going to be Kingdom of the Name of Lore, but I was like, that's because it was so simple and whatnot. I'm sorry. Partially, again, because of the music. Because, again, Octopath Traveler has an amazing soundtrack. Uh, but the menu, it, it the menu, I won't talk about the music cause, that much because it, it's amazing. You can only say, hey, go listen to it so much. But, um the the menu is is set on you're watching the art style in this game if you ever see it it is actually really cool like this sort of uh throwback to the super nintendo jrpg but like modern lighting and like modern like graphical techniques laid upon it um which makes it look really cool uh so 
when you're going through the menus, you'll see the various of the eight, uh, the eight playable characters walking through the environment, sort of like showing that it's a journey and they're travelers and that kind of stuff. And I've always enjoyed that sort of like, hey, we're going to be... It's just sort of like, it looks mundane, but like the more connected you are to the characters, which they do a pretty good job of like describing, like, you know, giving some real growth and and stakes to each story you're like oh okay like you know here here's my here's my favorite one primrose walking through the desert because that's totally what primrose would do and <laughs> like that kind of stuff so there's a there's a lot to showing the characters just walking in the environment and the art style that does a lot for that menu for me um so yeah another game i would highly recommend and basically the title screen does it a lot of justice as far as like all right I'm, I'm getting the sense of adventure here um so uh yeah i guess we'll go into our final ones then uh yes so right. Medora's mask has a just unnerving opening screen. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say haunting I, is the word that was coming to my mind. Like, I I would challenge you, not even emotionally affecting, but to find a more just just unnerving and just just disturbing opening screen than this one. Uh, because the camera. I guess it's the attract mode technically, but it's the title screen at the end, so who cares? Um, the camera sort of zooms out around through a sleepy day in lockdown, and main time the main theme is playing. It's just sort of like uh, kind of you know plucky lute theme, uh, very midi, very uh, uh, like there's a lot of whistling I think in it, mm-hmm. uh, and you're kind of seeing Link just hanging around lockdown. Uh, the stock stock oh man the names stockpile in something like that uh yeah. and you're seeing these like the dancing troupe and all the npcs of that are the cast of the game just sort of mill about uh as they do in game and but the actual the, the genius of it is you have this sort of like upbeat tune and then in the last scene you start to see a, a shot of the main area of clock down at the foot of the clock tower and it slowly starts to pan up, and the music starts to sour, and to just just corrupt, <laughs> and right. become sinister as you see uh, the skull kid uh, wearing the Majora's mask, uh, standing atop the clock tower, uh, and he look he's looking up, and the camera pans up to see the moon, the the uh, the just vicious grimace on its face that it always had. Um, and then you get that really great, like, uh, Twilight Princess sort of had this too, this very, like, brassy, unnerving horn sound, uh, as, as the music sort of flares and the title reveals and, uh, you get that, the Majora's Mask logo sort of embroiled in, uh, greenish flames. Right. Hmm. Um, okay. There's actually another time. screen too. Okay. It's just simple. Um, it's just black, and the Majora's Mask is spinning 
and coming towards the screen, and it makes this big whoosh, like, uh, like, uh, movement, like air passing by you noises. And the, the mask yeah. actually flies into the, the screen and back. And that's just also a bit creepy. Yeah, that game in, in, in itself is just creepy. <laughs> That's why I never finished it as a kid. Just never. <laughs> Was not into it. Um, so my final one is meant to be creepy, but it's not. Uh, and that's Diablo 3, um, especially Reaper of Souls. But it kind of works the same for the reasons why I like it. works for uh, WoW also, actually. Um, they're the same style, I would say. Uh, so basically, uh, once you have created a character, um, your character is the is sitting on the title screen, and you get to sort of like see them and the progress you've made. Progress is in items, um, you know, looter games like Diablo and that kind of stuff. Even Titan Quest does this to a degree. Actually, no, Titan Quest the title screen doesn't show you your character, but. Um, you know, a lot of these games show you, hey, this is what you look like. And it's always kind of, like, it's weird. Because, like, I'm not a fashion hunter in the slightest when you talk about Monster Hunter. But I do like looking cool. And I think most people do. Else, you know, why do cosmetics on Fortnite sell super well? You know what I mean? Um, not an uncommon opinion to, hey, have your character look good. But... Diablo 3, I think, does it very well where your character is front and center, at least the last one you played, and you can switch whichever one you're playing from that point. But just the way that they're standing there and just sort of waiting, um, they do that in um, the character selection for Diablo 2, and they sort of expanded on that in Diablo 3. So that's always stood out to me for like Diablo 3 is like, hey... Wow, I'm about ready to start the game, but look at, like, whatever rage barbarian name I made this time. Like, look at that barbarian. He looks freaking awesome today. <laughs> like, <laughs> Is it like your last played character gets mm -hmm. put on the title screen? Yep. Interesting. So it's even before character select does this. Um, yeah, except uh, if you're, like, brand new into the game, it just sort of sits on the... There's a background that sits there, and in, in Diablo, it's like it was like uh, it's also whatever act you've been sitting on last. So like if you ended in Act Two, like here's the Act Two like right. sort of aesthetic, and here's the Act Three sort of aesthetic, and so like for my all of mine, they're all Act Five because I've beaten the game, and yeah, so yeah, like that's kind of the way the way it goes. I did I I had to boot it up to make sure that was actually the title screen. Because the title screen is different if you don't have a character. It's just literally like, here's the logo sitting on like a more generic version of the fifth act for Reaper of Souls. Um, like, if you don't have a character, that's what it sort of sits at. But even then, it still looks kind of cool because it's like, hey, you're looking at the city, uh, you know, that was just devastated <laughs> in the story. So, like, I don't know. I've always felt like the Diablo titles, Diablo 3 in particular title screen has always been kind of cool. I always like seeing my character, and that's kind of what it is. And, and WoW does the same thing, right? When you start it up, you, you get into, I think it immediately takes you to character. It's been a year since I've actually booted up WoW. Um, 
and I only played for about a month before I quit, and then before that was like before college. So we're talking like 2006, 2005. No, I was in college, so maybe 2008. But yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Um, that's what I had. And I just wanted to say, I'm pretty sure um, the Monster Hunter World title screen would be on, on our list if that wasn't such a fucking easy choice. No, <laughs> yeah, frank. those are... Those are good, yes, and I didn't even consider it when we talked about because this, gonna be honest, guys, like this topic was thrown at me like at last yeah. last night, and I saw it in the morning, and like, hey, we're recording today. I'm like, cool. I have no idea what to put down, but I like the idea. <laughs> it's uh, it's hard. It's uh, it's it's really hard, to, harder than you think to find like a really standout title screen. It's not something you think of. Yeah, I know. Uh, just in your memory, it's not it's not prominent. No, but it, it's it's a good way to sort of like okay, let's get. It's like the first interaction with the game you have, especially when booting it back up. You know what I mean? To say like, okay, I'm ready to sort of dive into this world. It's like the window into the game, basically, and it's important. But we don't. I think a lot of people take it for granted, you know, like ourselves included, especially at times. It's like, hey, you don't sit there and appreciate the Monster Hunter World, like, title screen, except for, you know, like, right now everyone's goo-goo over the Iceborne one because we can't see it. We just sit there and look at it because we can't do anything else with the the beta download right now, right? (laughs) So it's more of an anticipation thing that it's being appreciated right now, but... You know, like I'd say, I'd say even a lot of game developers take title screens for granted and just throw up two D art. Right, and 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 I did have on my list uh, for Kingdoms of Amalur, and that one it looks like it's kind of taken for granted because it's a lot of just like, hey, here's some generic shots of what you could do in the game uh, with the various monsters attacking people, very D and D esque. You know what I mean? Like monster swiping at a hero kind of thing. Um, that kind of uh art style but uh the reason why you know i had that on there is the menuing and that menu is pretty simple and it's clean so it's like it's not um because you know some title you're talking about like that people don't take it seriously sometimes you can have just a garbage of a mess of a title screen like you can barely see your options and that kind of stuff and the reason why i like the amalore is it's just clean you can it looks nice it's just clean <laughs> So, so yeah, like there's a lot of things that go into these title screens. I'm glad we we did the topic. It was it was a nice uh, diversion from the deluge of news we normally ended up doing lately. Um, so yeah, um, I think it's a nice, fun little idea that you must memorize and take with you to your grave, or you'll fail as it is. Everyone. Well definitive edition I'm, i already took my sats i'm good i don't ever have to do it again all right <laughs> um so uh we'll wrap it up here guys uh thanks for listening i'm sure you're gonna hear some noises of my children in the background at least once um sorry but eh, didn't have a better time to record <laughs> so uh uh this is at Fortwan uh, on Hunter Sub Pod. 
Um, I encourage you to uh, play Massive Chalice along with uh, with us for side quest. Uh, uh, that will be uh, Vengeful Torture, Morg Daddy, and Leo uh, for the hosts to talk about Massive Chalice here in about a month, uh, probably a little longer, because um, we're just relaunching that series. And we also have the uh, Magic Podcast coming up, um, which is Event Quest, uh, Side Quest and Event Quest, because we're keeping it Monster Hunter themed, because hey, we like Monster Hunter. Um uh, and so look forward to that, and that doesn't really have a timeline yet, um, just because we're just getting that show off the ground. So yeah, um, all the side episode, you know, side Hunter Sub stuff, plugging aside. Uh, again, at Hunter Sub Pod on Twitter, you'll see all the announcement stuff there. And I will see you guys on the next quest. And on that quest, where will you be, Haru? Um, I'm as always at Kane's Dead Grand on Twitter. And, um, just, uh, just keep an eye out to see if that, uh, San Diego Comic-Con panel for Monster Hunter leaks. Don't expect, like, any monster announcements or anything, but, uh, could be some cool stuff. Like, tech, insider, details, etc. Right. Where everyone saw Laggy last time and thought he was going to be in the game because they explicitly said he was. Nope, that was GDC. Nope. (laughs) Oh, okay. Never mind. Forget what I said. And that that was crazy though when they showed that whole demo that was that was a lot. It was. Yeah. So yeah, maybe some monster interviews we have to talk about next time. Maybe not. Hopefully not. I just want to play the game now. <laughs> it's getting close enough. I'm like, eh, just stop noticing. I want more monsters. Man.